0: Tomorrow is Valentine's Day, so um, husbands in the room, that was your cue. If you need to write down anything, if you need to make a note, that would be helpful. That might be the best thing you get out of church today is remembering tomorrow's Valentine's Day. So I went and picked up these flowers, and um, when you look at these flowers, it's easy to just dismiss the journey that these flowers have had to go through. Because they didn't just wake up one day and show up in the, the flower department over at Kroger. No, these flowers have gone through quite the ordeal. Go all the way back to the moment that these flowers were just seeds and they were planted and then they began to sprout and they began to grow, but they did not grow overnight. And these flowers were not able to bloom into the beautiful bouquet they are today by accident no, there had, there had to have been intentionality in making sure that these flowers grew and remained strong so that I could buy them and give them away today. So a lot had to go in to those flowers showing up the way that they look today. In order to be strong or mature as a flower, they had to go through a lot. And we could categorize what they went through in two different ways. The things, the very specific and certain things that these flowers needed to be protected from, say protected, because that's a big word today. You have things that they had to be protected from, but also they needed specific things that were present, say present. Those are what those two things these flowers needed protection from the wrong things and the presence of the right things. They had to be protected from toxins. They had to be protected from too much extreme temperature. They had to be protected from too much sunlight. They had to be protected from bugs. They had to be protected from all kinds of things or else they never would have made it this far. They would have grown, but then they would have eventually withered away. If they were not protected from the wrong things. Now let's talk about what needed to be present. You know this. What needs to be present for a plant to grow? Somebody give me one. Water. Water, Yes. Water must be present. What's another one? Yes, sunlight, not too much, not too little like Goldilocks. Just right. They needed just the right amount of sunlight to be present. They needed nutrients. They needed soil. They needed space so that they could truly grow. So you see these flowers only bloomed and grew based off of what they were protected from and what was present. Our faith is very, very similar. In fact, if you wanna read a whole lot more about that, this is a great side study for you. Read Matthew 13 later on this week and you'll see Jesus talking about the same thing. But what I want you to focus on are those two words, protected from and the presence of. What do we need in our faith to be protected from and what do we need the presence of so that we can grow and not just grow, but become strong and stable in our faith. We've been going through a series throughout Philippians. We'll finish that up today. And throughout the entire study of Philippians, Paul's letter to this early church of Philippi, he's talking very basically on what it takes for our faith to grow, what it looks like to live out our faith. And then as we're going to see in chapter four today, he kind of turns a little bit of a corner It says, so you know how to make your faith grow. We talked a lot about that last week, built on God's grace. If you didn't catch that, look back at chapter three. We know what it looks like to live out our faith, a shining lights in a dark world. But he says, but I want you to not just have a faith. He says, I want you to have a strong faith. I want you to have a mature faith. I want you to have a stable faith. Because we can have faith and we know that we will go through difficulties in this life. Even Jesus brought that up. John chapter 16, verse 33. Jesus states the obvious, but he wants to make sure people understand. I've... I have told you all of this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, here's the obvious statement, here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows. You will have the difficulties, you will have the struggles, you will have the problems, but take heart because I have overcome the world. Jesus is saying you're gonna go through a lot in life, but may your faith be rooted in him. May you have peace In me, he says, put your confidence in me, rely on me, depend on me so that as your faith grows and it goes through the storms and the difficulties, your faith will not just grow, but it will be strong and stable and mature. That's what Paul wants the Philippians to understand. And that's what we can pull out of this as well. Not just how do we have a faith and how do we grow our faith? How do we have a strong and stable faith? We could ask the opposite side of that. Well, what causes us to not have a strong faith? This by no means is an exhaustive list and, and research has been done on this subject for years and years and years and years. Most, most people in this research field will agree on these four categories in some form or fashion. Let me put them up here. Let me talk just briefly about it, kind of frame this in a little bit more for us. Here are categorically the top four reasons people leave their faith. The top four reasons why this doesn't grow to full maturity, why that faith doesn't end up being strong and stable. Again, a lot of other reasons out there. Categorically, this is usually what comes to the top. These are not in any specific order. Let me talk through them. First reason, again, not in any particular order, hypocrisy. Many people will walk away from their faith because of how another faith person, another believer, acted. So our actions do make a difference. Now we could go on and on on whether they should think that, they should be looking at Jesus, not other people. I get all that. I'm just telling you the reasons why people have expressed. They see something that doesn't match up with what's in scripture. They see how somebody else acts that claims to know Christ, but then they look at Christ and go, well, that, that doesn't match for me. So other people's actions have a lot to do with it. Second one, God didn't deliver Talking about expectations, meaning I'm expecting God to do this, to be this, and he didn't do that. He ended up not being like that, so therefore I'm going to withdraw from my faith. Life is going well. Not that, God's, not, not that life is not going well. No, life is going well. And oftentimes we fall into the trap of thinking we don't need God. Well, I've, I've done all this on my own. I don't need God. I don't need anyone else. I can take care of things on my own. So why bother with God when I can do it on my own? Lastly, too busy, too busy. We end up just spinning the wheels on all other parts of our lives and we neglect our faith and neglect over time begins to be forgotten. So what once was neglected is now just not part of our life anymore. Those are just the top four. And I bring those up because I feel like Paul almost had those in mind when he was finishing up his last words to the Philippians. I want you to have a strong faith. I want you to have a stable faith. So you need to protect yourself from certain things, from the wrong things, so you can have the presence of the right things so that you can have a strong and stable faith. That's what Paul's gonna help us see. That's what we're gonna see in Philippians chapter four. Let me pray and we'll dive into Paul's final words to the church of Philippi. God, thanks so much for your words through your servant, Paul. I pray that as we, we listen and as we hear and as we read, I pray that your Holy Spirit will do the work in each of us specifically and individually. Would you convict us? Would you move us? Would you nudge us, encourage us and begin to change us from the inside out so that we may have a strong and stable faith, regardless of where our faith would be today, that we would be willing to lean in so that our faith can grow, and that we would recognize the protection needed and the presence needed so that our faith sustains. In Jesus' name, amen. So here's how we're going to do this. If you've got a Bible, be in Philippians chapter four. If you don't have a Bible and can't find it, can't read it, or you just don't have one, out in the lobby next to the coffee, if you've been there before, stack of Bibles. We actually had to order a bunch more this last week. That's our gift to you. Please make sure you've got a Bible so you can not just have it on a Sunday, but throughout the week as well. So here's what we're going to go through Philippians 4. I'm going to read this one section, and then we're going to go back and actually lean in a little bit more to what Paul is saying on how we have a strong and stable faith along the way. So let's get the big idea, then we're going to go back through and hit them one at a time, starting in verse 4 out of Philippians chapter 4. We're told this, always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all that you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. So don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Verse 8. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. Towards the end, Paul is again, let me say it one more time, so we're all on the same page of what he's trying to accomplish here. You know what your faith should look like. You know how to begin your faith based on God's grace. We know how our faith should be lived out. So now let's make sure our faith is strong and stable and can handle the storms and the weather of life. So as we go back through these, we're going to see how each of these helps us do just that. What do we get protected from? What do we need the presence of to have a strong faith? Verse four, we'll go through these individually. The first one says, always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. We're not gonna spend a ton of time here because every single week over the last, what has it been? Five or six weeks of studying Philippians, joy has been part of that in some form or fashion. It's a big theme for Paul to say, no matter what, always have joy. We've said it before, I'll say it again to catch you up if you haven't heard this yet, that joy is different than happiness. Joy is not based on your situation. It's not based on your circumstance. Joy is not based on you at all and it's not based on other people. That's why he says, always be full of joy in the Lord, not in someone else or in something else or in a situation. Always be full of joy in the Lord. So our joy comes from the grace of God. That phrase, be full of joy in the Lord, you could even reword that to say, I delight in God's grace. That's joy. And that doesn't change. And that is never shaken. Good times, bad times, we have joy in the Lord because his grace is sufficient and his grace is never shaken once we receive it. So no matter what, how do we have a strong faith? No matter what, always be full of joy. Verse five, Let everyone see that you are considerate in all that you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. This speaks to how we treat other people, our attitudes, our words. Again, big theme for Paul so far throughout Philippians. He's kind of recapping here, so we won't spend a ton of time here either. He's reminding us how you treat others gives people a glimpse into how Christ treats us. So, how are we treating others? How are we handling the difficulties? How are we handling the situations? One commentary said it brilliantly. Let me read this to you. I love this. It's a little convicting, so just get ready. Christians are not to be seen as easily angered or foolish, but rather as reasonable, wise people who handle difficulties and disagreements with maturity. I laugh because that just doesn't describe us. (laughs) Christians are not to be seen as easily angered or foolish. No, we are to be seen, Because of what God has done in us and the life that we're choosing to live, we are to be considerate, which means reasonable and wise who can handle difficulties and disagreements with maturity. I hope that begins to describe us holistically. And maybe that's an area like, okay, if I'm gonna have a strong faith, I need to make sure that this is part of my plan. What am I protected from? What do I need the presence of? You have to learn to be considerate in every action with everyone, no matter what. No matter if they deserve it or not. No matter if, if you're stressed or not. No matter the situation, no matter the person, be considerate in every action with everyone. And that will not just protect our faith. We saw, it on, we saw it on the screen. One of the reasons hypocrisy, it also helps protect the faith of other people. Now, no, that is not a burden you should carry, but it's something to at least be aware of. How we treat others matters. It matters greatly. A lot more in Philippians. We've talked a bunch about that, so I'll keep moving on quickly. Here's the next part. We're gonna land here for quite a while because Paul hasn't talked a ton about this concept until we get here. And he actually expands it just a little bit. So let's hang out here for a second. Verse six, he says, Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he has done. So you wanna have a strong faith, a faith that can sustain the storms and weather and the difficulties of life. He says, so don't worry about anything, which just doesn't sound helpful whatsoever. He does give a little nod to, but pray about everything. Two extremes, don't worry about a thing, but every little and big thing that you should be praying about. And he actually kind of gives some good good points in how we are to pray. That first part of pray about everything. I mean, truly everything. The big things and the small things. Last night for dinner, sit around, had family dinner. We kind of take turns with the kids praying and everything. And Connor, my oldest, he started praying. And it's kind of like what you would think for a nine-year-old as they would pray. Thank you for our family. Thank you for our food. It's kind of like the same every time, which right now, hey, we're praying. We're great. We're not gonna get into the theology of prayer quite yet. But He's praying. But then he adds something to it, which I did not tell him to say this. I need, I need to be clear. I did not coach him on this whatsoever. Thank you for this food. Thank you for our family. Help us to have a good day, keep us safe. And I pray that the Bengals win the Super Bowl. And I'm like, oh, amen, I was like, I'm so proud of you, son. This is a brilliant prayer. So if you hear my son praying, any of you kids ministry volunteers, if he keeps praying that, like it did not come for me, but man, I, I was very proud of him for that. So we pray about the small things. We pray about the things that you might think the God of the universe probably doesn't care who wins the Super Bowl. I would agree with you. But is it okay to express that to God? Absolutely, absolutely. We pray about the small things. We pray back the big things. If you didn't know we're in the middle of a campaign to expand and it's a $2 million goal over the next two years, that's a big prayer. So we pray about the small things that may seem insignificant, but he wants to know about it. He wants to hear you talk about it. And yes, he wants to know about the big things in your life that you recognize are too big for you. Pray about everything, absolutely everything. Then he gives us a great command and tell God what you need. Be specific, tell him exactly what you need. This last Wednesday, uh, my youngest, uh, Collins, my daughter, she's in preschool and so they do every year like this daddy preschool breakfast thing. So we show up and they sing songs and we do crafts and eat breakfast together. It's like an hour, it's a lot of fun, it's great. One of the things that the teachers do is they ask the kids several questions about their dads, and then they reveal those at this daddy breakfast of, oh, your daughter said this about you. If you follow me on social media, this won't be new to you, Um, but here's one of the questions that they asked Collins. They said, Collins, what is your dad's job? And with her wonderful picture of me, she said, working at his church, he goes on stage and says stuff. (laughs) I love that. There's probably more truth to that than I would like to admit, (laughs) but she's not wrong. Yes, I do stand here and say stuff. It was funny when, I, when we read through these, I was like, well, do you know like the kind of stuff that daddy says? And she just looked at me like you're in a headlight. like, don't care, don't know. <laughs> but I was like, no, I tell people the gospel and the good news of Jesus and how Jesus died for their sins and there's no way to get to heaven unless you have a relationship with Jesus which comes from God's grace. Like that's what I do. And she said stuff. I'm like, I was just so deflated. I was like, do you guys think I just do stuff? No, there's so much more. But there's a difference between general and specific. I wanted specifics. What exactly? And she just did the generic. So often we're guilty of this where we'll go before God and we'll just say, God help. And man, there's great times for that. There's authenticity in that. But there's other times where he's giving you permission and we're even committed here to be specific. Tell him what you need. Many of you are going to go out to eat for Valentine's Day potentially. And you're going to order at a restaurant and the waiter or the waitress is going to come to you and says, "What would you like for dinner?" What you will not say is food. They would look at you and say, "Would you care to elaborate?" Like what kind of food? Which specific item do you want? How do you want it cooked? What size specifically do you want? And you give a very detailed and specific order for dinner, yet sometimes we neglect God in our ability to be specific. God, here's what I need you to do. Here's what I need in my life. God, and here's why. Here's a great way for me to encourage you in this. And this is a fun exercise. When you're in the midst of your prayer, right? Whether you're praying and journaling, just praying on your knees, however you're praying, Every time you pray and ask for something or tell God something, imagine Him saying, Why? God, I really need this. Why? Well, because this is happening. Why? Well, because I'm struggling here. Why? Imagine a Father just asking you why again and again and again, and you'll find yourself getting more and more and more specific. Lastly, we're told to thank him for all that he's done. It's not just gimme, gimme, gimme. Big prayers, small prayers, specific prayers, but also prayers of gratitude. Prayers of gratitude adjust the position of our heart to recognize he is faithful. He is good. Regardless of how these prayers are answered, I'm thankful for what he's already done. And it sets our heart in the right spot. See, there's almost this rhythm of prayer, of releasing, making things known to God, and then embracing his promises. We we release and then embrace. We release and then we embrace. The releasing's the hard part, though, isn't it? The releasing gets difficult. In fact, when we talk about this verse, I'm gonna walk back here for a second. As we talk about this verse, many people have a hard time hearing that phrase, don't worry about anything. It feels like we're just dismissing don't worry about it. It'll be fine. Just sounds like Paul is this optimist. Thank you very much, Tim. But what he's actually doing is he's helping us understand something about worry. So let's talk about worry. Talk to me for a second. What are the worries? Not you specifically. That would be way too convicting for a Sunday morning. What do we get worried about in life? Holler them out. Money. Money. Good. What else do we worry about? Parenting. Parenting. Yes. What else do you worry about? jobs, good, health. We worry about so many different things. We could go on and on and on and on and on talking about all the things that we worry about, all the things that take up our thoughts, all the things that we choose to dwell on, all our worries. And what we end up doing with those worries is we roll around with these worries all day. Whenever you go to work, I'm still rolling around with my worries. When you're at home, you still got all those worries. These go with you wherever you go because you think about them constantly. They take up so much of your space in your mind because you're constantly thinking and worried about all of these things. We can't get rid of these. And that's the struggle with this verse is people have all these worries and these worries are valid I am worried about parenting. Am I doing this right? I am worried about finances. Like, am I gonna be able to make it through and what's the world gonna do I am, like those things are all valid worries. So whatever you're worried about, whatever you're anxious about, you have good reason to be worried and anxious. Don't mishear me, but here's the problem. We can't keep walking around with all of these worries. We can't keep rolling all of these worries around with us everywhere we go. This idea, we see this in scripture more than just in Philippians of what to do with our worries. Jesus talks about it in the Sermon on the Mount. He says, don't worry about today. Tomorrow's got plenty more things to worry about. Don't worry about it. First Peter 5, 7 tells us to cast all our anxieties on him. Do you know why? Do you know the next part of that? Because he cares for you, yes. Psalm 55:22 says the exact same thing. Uses the word burdens there. Cast your burdens on him. Cast your worries on him. Cast your anxieties on him. We see that phrase in some form or fashion as a theme throughout Scripture, Old and New Testament. We have worries. That is understandable. But we can't keep rolling around with these worries. So this is interesting. The idea of casting your worries to giving your worries, to not worry about anything, that, that language there, actually for the people that would have been reading it originally, would have had an image in their head. They would have had it like a video playing. And it would not be a picture or a video of somebody throwing their worries away. In our language, we think cast away, well, I would just get rid of it. That's not what it's talking about there. It's not a throw away, it's not a get rid, and it's not disappear. What the point is and the visual that they would have had is the idea of rolling your burdens to someone else, rolling your worries to someone else. So when Paul says, don't worry about anything, pray about everything, what's he telling us to do? He's telling us to roll our burdens to God, to roll our worries to someone else instead of us walking around with them and holding on to them. And letting it eat up our lives and weigh us down. He says, don't hold on to those anymore. Roll them to God. And He can actually do something about it. What's too heavy for me and you is never too heavy for Him. How do we have a strong faith? What do we need to protect our faith from? Too much weight from worry, too many burdens that hold us down and weigh us down. So what do we do with those? We can't just throw them away. We can't just not think about them. It's still there, I can still see it. When you roll your worries to God onto him, they don't necessarily disappear, do they? They don't necessarily go away, but you're not walking around with them anymore. What used to be my problem is now God's problem. What used to be my worry is now God's worries. What used to keep me up at night is what's keeping him up at night. And please hear me. If you hear one thing, please hear this. You can never, never put too much weight or too many burdens on the shoulders of God. He can handle it. You and I cannot handle it. So we roll our worries onto him. How do we do that? through prayer, the big things and the little things, being very specific on what those worries are and what they're doing to us and in us. We say thank you for all that he's done to show his strength and his might and his power because he can handle it and I cannot. So no matter what, pray about everything. Don't worry about it. Roll your worries to him, put them on his shoulders, and we pray. Verse eight, two more things that Paul tells us in regards to a strong and stable faith. Verse eight, he says, and now dear brothers and sisters, one final thing, fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable, right and pure, lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. He's going through a list of filters if you wanna think it in that way. Filters of, I have a thought, should I keep thinking this thought? I have this idea, Should I keep thinking about this idea? I'm thinking of, should I be dwelling on that? It's a filter and it's asking the should question. Can you think about it? Sure. Should you think about it? Totally different question. Paul's reminding us of the impact and the influence our thoughts have later on. Your thoughts, your specific thoughts have a dramatic impact on your future behaviors Your future words, your future actions, and your attitudes. Now watch this. Those actions and attitudes, words and behaviors have an impact on your character and your relationships. And it all can be traced back to your thoughts. So Paul is saying, you really wanna have a strong, healthy, thriving, growing, mature, stable faith? Think about what you think about. No matter what, always be thinking about what you think about. And here's your filter. Is it true, honorable, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, worthy of praise? And as you're going through that filter list and you're thinking, oh, no, I'm thinking of it. It's definitely not that. Well, then let's not think about it anymore. Right? I get it. You're not going to be able to control every thought in your head. You control, and it's your choice whether you dwell on that thought or not. And that's what Paul's helping us understand. You want to protect your faith? You want to have a strong and stable, sustaining faith? Make sure no matter what, you're thinking about what thoughts are going on in your head. Last one. And then we'll see the result of all this. Last thing that Paul says here, verse 9. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me. Everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Key word there. Keep phrase. Keep putting into practice. In other words, you've got to live this out. You've got to keep at it. Keep practicing. I'm sure you know the phrase, practice makes perfect. That's dead wrong. <laughs> I hope you know that. Practice most certainly does not make perfect. Right? I could practice as much as Michael Jordan did and I will never be as good as Michael Jordan. Well, Brian, just practice more. Not the solution there, <laughs> So practice does not necessarily make perfect, but I would agree that practice does lead to consistency. Now that I can agree with. Like over time, the more you practice something, it becomes a little bit more consistent. Still might not be good at it, but it can lead to consistency. It leads to improvement. And that's what Paul is saying here. He's like, you're not gonna perfect this, but keep practicing, keep working on it so that not only do you improve in your faith habits, the things that we do that live out, the considerate, the always be joyful, all the things that he's saying. Like that takes work, it takes practice. But you also get more consistent at it. We just talked about filtering through your thoughts and rolling your worries on God. When you first start doing that, it's gonna drive you bonkers because you're not gonna do it very well. And you're gonna forget about, oh yeah, I forgot to do that again. The whole beach ball, I get it. But over time, the more you do that, what's gonna happen? it's gonna become a little bit more natural. Think of back when you first started learning to drive, right at 15 and a half, at least for me, we, we could start practicing our driving. Had to do it with a parent and go to all the whole school for driving and all that stuff. And I don't know if you remember this, where it was like, so for me, at least it was so nerve wracking. It's like, you getting like, what am I forgetting? Seat belt check. Mirrors, this mirror, this mirror. And you're like looking around and then you slowly start to back up and it took you forever to back up. And then you totally would stop. Now it's like you go from reverse to drive in one swift motion. This was like, you stop, click, 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 And then ease out. I'm merging, I'm merging. Here we go. And then like, it was a whole thing that took so much longer because you were so nervous and you were so new at it. Now, probably none of you thought about it when you drove here today. It's probably a little bit of a problem. Some of you should be thinking a little bit more of your driving, but you don't think twice about it now. It's natural. It is second nature to you because you've been doing it for so long. Our faith is very similar in regards to our habits. The more you live your faith out, not we get perfect, but yes, the more consistent we will be in how we live our faith out. And Man, let me go back to the worries and the thoughts, especially the always be joyful, the be considerate all the time in everything I do to everyone. Like, you're gonna mess those up a lot just like I do. But the more we practice, the more we practice, the more consistent we will be, the stronger our faith will grow to become. But yes, it takes some practice. So keep putting into practice all that we have been learning through Paul as he writes to the Philippians. Now, all of that to be said, there's two then statements, meaning here's the result. Here's what happens when. That's what that word then points us to. And there's two of them here. Let me read them and we're going to briefly talk about them. The first one's in verse seven. So here's the things that Paul is saying will equal a strong and stable faith. He says then in verse seven, then you will experience God's peace which it see exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds. Ah, protect our hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Remember, we need to be protected from the wrong things. We need the presence of the right things. And Paul's saying, you will experience the peace that comes from God. And that peace that comes from him will protect you, your hearts and your minds. The second then statement's at the very end of verse nine. Paul says, then the God of peace will be with you. Do you hear the protection from and the presence of? It's God's peace that protects our hearts and our minds. And it's the presence of God almighty. It's the presence of the God of peace that helps us grow and helps us weather the storms, and helps us have a strong and mature faith. So often we want a very specific result or a specific outcome in life. Those are not promised here. We're promised two things in this section. Protection, the guarding of our hearts and minds, and the presence of God. We are promised the protection from the peace of God and we are promised the presence of the God of peace. Protection and presence. Two things we need as our faith grows so we can weather any storm, any difficulty, any trial, any suffering, any worry, any relationship. Our faith can still be strong no matter what. So for the next couple minutes, and truly it'll be, it might feel a little bit longer to you, but for about the next two minutes, I'm gonna let you just sit in that. In just a moment, there's gonna be some, some hopefully helpful prompts for you on the screen, and they all have a fill in the blank. So I'm gonna encourage you, maybe even challenge you, and for some of you, this will be very new and outside your comfort zone, to not just sit and think about whatever, to not just sit and think about how much time do I have to spend doing this, but to sit and begin to fill in the blanks that you're gonna see on the screen in a moment. Each and every one of those is intended to help move you beyond just what we read and heard and move it into here so that we can have a strong and mature faith as we continue to grow in him. I'm praying and I've been praying that one of those would stand out to you today. Out of all the list of the fill-ins, like there's gonna be one that I pray kind of hits you right in your heart. And that's God's voice speaking to you saying, ah, here's where we wanna focus in on. Here's where I wanna grow you and develop you. Let me go all the way back to Philippians chapter one where we started. He's not done with you yet. The God who began a good work in you will continue to work in you until the day you meet him. So there's still work to be done in each and every one of us. Would you be willing to let God speak to your heart, speak to your mind? As he works to grow, on, to grow your faith, as he works to strengthen your faith, may we be open to how he would lead us. So take a few moments, pray through the different prompts and the fill in the blanks, and then we'll worship together.